Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I'm super excited to be here tonight um, and having the opportunity to share a word with you. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my name is Gabby. I have been Activate now for about six years and running the creative department for about three years out of that. Um, Just before I get started tonight, I actually, um, I said this this morning, but I think it's important to do this again. Um, I've been working on this message for about four weeks now. That's a really long time. Um, And Ben has been working alongside me every single week, so diligently helping me get it to a point where it's even remotely presentable. And... I am just having the smallest bit of insight into how Ben structures a message, researches, prays over the word that he brings every single week. We are so blessed to have such a great teacher and pastor in Ben and senior leader. Um, We are so blessed to have him. So can we just thank him for everything that he does around the place? He is incredible. He is awesome. Uh, Another uh, person who is also incredible uh, that I've been married to for a year and a half now is Vincent, also a part of our creative team. Uh, I love him. He is wonderful. He's probably one of the best people on the face of the planet, Um, just so you know. If you don't know him, you probably should because he's awesome. I described him this morning as glorious. Um, I still would describe him as such. Uh, When you marry someone, uh, you think you know them really well, right? You assume that you know someone really well when you marry them, yeah? Vin and I did, you know, pre-marriage sessions with one of the couples in our church, you know, talked about the really important stuff like, you know, how many kids you'll have and how you're going to manage your finances and who's going to take the bins out, um, you know, all that really important stuff. Just to clarify, both Vin and I take the bins out. You know, there's no gender roles there. But <laughs> you talk about all those really important things, yeah? I thought I knew Vin really, really well until about two months ago. Uh, I don't know whether anyone else has heard of an app called Pokemon Go. Anyone in the house? Pokemon? Yes, okay. Uh, So I had no idea that Vin was so passionate about Pokemon until this app came out. For those of you who don't know, uh, Pokemon Go is an app uh, which is using a pretty cool new technology where it uses the camera on your phone and you can, you know, use uh, your camera to see Pokemon in your surroundings. So, you know, we had one sitting on the end of our bed one night, you know, and catch them all. It's great. Um, Anyway, about three weeks ago now, uh, Vin and I were having a Friday night after a long week of work, sitting on the couch at home, and uh, I was in my PJs, I was in my dressing gown, my happy place, yes? And uh, Vin looks at me and he says, Babe will you watch the Pokemon TV series with me? I just want you to learn about Pokemon. I want you to be able to share in Pokemon with me so you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about Pokemon. And I kind of on the inside went, (laughs) on the outside I went, yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Because when you love someone, 
you know, sometimes you do things for them or, you know, you go to uh, events or, you know, meet people that probably you wouldn't normally, uh, but because you love them, you kind of want to engage in the things that are really important to them, right? So, yes, I would love to watch Pokemon with you. So, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> preach. Uh, so, we watched about four or five episodes, you know, 20-minute episodes of Pokemon Go, and it's not that bad. I don't mind it all that much. Uh, but at the, at the end, oh man, it still makes me laugh. He kind of, you know, he's sitting on the edge of the seat and he looks at me and he goes, I'm so inspired to catch Pokemon. Can we go to Lilydale Lake and catch Pokemon? And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be the greatest thing ever. So we pile in the car. I'm in my pyjamas and my dressing gown. Uh, we drive down to Lilydale Lake and uh, I sit in the car and have a nap <laughs> while he's out catching Pokemon in the cold. It was raining, scarves, beanies, jackets, you know, trying to keep warm. The thing that astounded me at 11 o'clock on a Friday night at Lilydale Lake was the sheer amount of people that were actually there catching Pokemon. It was fascinating to me why people would go out in the cold on a Friday night and catch Pokemon. But anyway, the other thing that really fascinated me about this whole Pokemon craze and the app and you know everything that's been happening since it came out is that it sparked the most unlikely of conversations, yeah? Like two people will get out of their car at a park or a school or you know some other pokey stop, yes I know the words, uh, and they kind of like they give each other this knowing look, like they kind of you know they get out of their car, they get their phone out and they look at each other and they're like, Pokemon? Yep. You? It's kind of this, and then they have these conversations about, you know, what Pokemon did you catch and where did you find them and is there a nest at Pancake Parlour in Eastland? Ask Vin's mum, she'll know. It's fascinating about the conversations that spark up between the most unlikely of people. People who would normally be strangers are brought together over these really, you know, bizarre things. Anyway, I want to tell you a story about another very unlikely conversation that happened between two people. Um, Jesus, of course, and you've probably heard of the Samaritan woman, yeah? The woman at the well, otherwise. Anyway, a um, bit of context to the story. So Jesus was going on a really long journey. He was going from Judea to Galilee. And in our kind of measurements, that's basically like walking, because Jesus walked with his disciples, from Wonturna to Geelong. It's about 112 k's. So it's a really long way to walk, right? So he's on this really long journey. It would have taken them about two and a half days of consistent walking to get from one place to another. And you kind of want to take the most direct route when you're going on a journey that long, right? But the direct route for Jesus from Judea to Galilee went through Samaria. And in that day, the Samaritans and the Jews, Jesus was a Jew, the disciples were Jews, uh, they they weren't friends, those two groups of people. Samaritans and Jews, you know, they didn't talk to each other. It stemmed from a long history of, you know, bad blood between the two groups. So they, um, they, Jesus had to go through Samaria in order to get where he was going. And he was pretty exhausted. He stopped in Samaria at about six o'clock in the morning and he stopped at a well. And obviously, you know, the, the disciples left him there to go and get some food and refreshments and whatever and left Jesus just sitting there. Not really the safest place to leave Jesus, but hey, he's Jesus. So I 
figure he's probably got martial arts kind of, you know, inbuilt or something. I don't know. He's probably able to defend himself anyway. So, out of the shadows at six o'clock in the morning comes this Samaritan woman. She's obviously coming to draw water for her household. And um, you can read in the original Greek that um, Jesus is sitting there and he sees her approach and he gets out his phone and he's like, Pokemon? She's like, yep. What have you found? Not really. He, um, he approaches her and he asks her for a drink. And the most bizarre thing about this is not only the fact that Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, but also in, in the context of that day, men and women didn't actually speak in public either. So even if you were married, if you had to have a conversation with your spouse, you waited until you got home because it wasn't culturally appropriate for men and women to speak in public. So the fact that Jesus said anything to her at all was really quite unlikely. So Jesus says to her, give me a drink. You know, you could have asked a bit nicer than that, Jesus. (laughs) Give me a drink. And she kind of, you know, says to him, well, who are you? You know, who are you, a Samaritan, I mean, a a Jewish male, Jesus wasn't Samaritan, who are you, a Jewish male, to ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And he says, Jesus is so sassy. He kind of sasses her and he's like, woman, if only you knew who you were asking for a drink. You know, so sassy, Jesus. uh." So he says to her, you know, if only you knew who you were asking for a drink, you would be the one that asks me for living water and I would give you living water. Anyway, she kind of looks at him and she's thinking, all right, this guy's a bit weird. Where's his bucket? He ain't got a bucket. How's he going to draw water from a well with no bucket? Anyway, she says to him, she's like, so where's your bucket? How are you going to get water for me? You're saying that I should be asking you for a drink, but you ain't got no bucket, dude. You know, and, uh, and she says, well, you know, this well is the well of Jacob. You know, he's one of the forefathers of our faith. You know, he built this well so that we had somewhere to drink. So, you know, this well sustains our entire town, our livestock, our people drink from this well. And you're saying that your water is better than mine and you don't even have a bucket. So she's, you know, getting all up in his face. And Jesus says to her, well, really, everyone who drinks of your water is going to be thirsty again. It's only water, right? But Jesus says, anyone who asks me for a drink, I'll give him living water and it will well up into eternal life within them, and they will never be thirsty again. And you know what? We kind of read over that passage and we go, oh yeah, cool. But really, if Powerade were to bring out a drink and they said to us, drink one of these Powerade and you'll never have to hydrate ever again, this is basically what Jesus is saying. I've got magic water and you'll never be thirsty ever again. We would ask questions of Powerade, right? We'd be like, okay, what's in it? What's going to happen to me? How much does it cost? You ask questions, right? This woman, she's like, really, magic water? Where do I get me some? (laughs) Doesn't even ask a single question. She's like, yep, sign me up, I'm done. So Jesus says to her, all right, we'll go and get your husband and, you know, we'll we'll have a conversation. And uh, she goes, well... (laughs) that's the awkward thing, I don't really have a husband. And Jesus says, yeah, I know, you've had five. And the guy that you're living with, you're not married to. Like, Jesus dropping truth bombs, no worries. 
And she kind of goes, oh, okay, you know, all right, I get it. You've, you know, prophesied my entire life. You know, I, I get it, you're a prophet. And so what we'll do is we'll pick it up from uh, verse 19. It says to him, the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She's talking about where they were at the well. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Next one. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together tonight and to hear your word. Father, I pray that as we listen, God, you would open our hearts and open our ears to hear your voice and to have you revealed to us in our spirit, God. We love you and we thank you for tonight. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Let me have a drink, sorry. Uh Magic water, right? Um, This is usually where um, there would be a joke about football at this point to make you all laugh and, you know, then you'd laugh at me and these guys are doing their own jokes about football. That's cool. I don't like football. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) I don't like football. So I won't be telling you anything about football. Um, And if you come and talk to me about football, I'll probably nod and smile, but on the inside I'll just be, you know, somewhere else (laughs) in my happy place. Sorry, I love you, but I, yeah, I don't love football. Anyway, I do love music, right? Any music fans in the house? Yes, okay. Uh, I remember a while ago I went to a gig uh, to see Bon Iver play. Does anyone know Bon Iver? Please. There was about two people in the building this morning. <laughs> okay, these are my people. All right. So I went to see Bon Iver play at Sydney My Music Bowl and for those of you who don't know his music, it is so incredibly complex. There are so many different sounds and instruments. He had about 20 musicians on stage at the time. It was just amazing. Anyway, at one point uh, in, in, in the concert, I kind of closed my eyes just to kind of absorb, you know, block out the, the visual and just get the, the audio. And um, when I opened my eyes, it was a really profound moment. I opened my eyes and looked around at the people and I could have sworn we were in church, right? People with their hands in the air, people with their eyes closed, people crying, I did cry, but people crying, you know, people sitting down just to kind of absorb. It was just the most incredible moment and it was a really profound moment for me in my understanding of worship. It kind of, it helped me to realise that we are all created for worship, right? We're all created for worship. God has designed us to worship 
And you see it in a lot of different areas in life. You know, you see it at things like the football. You see it at gigs. You see it, you know, even in the Olympics over the past couple of weeks, you know, athletes like Usain Bolt, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's amazing. And so, you know, you see it everywhere, right? And it kind of makes you wonder what the physical expression of worship looks like, you know. Is it hands in the air? Is it kind of, you know, out wide? Is it carry the TV? Is it carry the wider TV? (laughs) Is it, you know, on your knees? Is it on your face? You know, what is the physical form of worship? What should it look like? We'll look at that a bit later, but we know that in the scriptures, in Romans 12 verse 1, it says that worship is our whole bodies offered as a living sacrifice, right? Holy and pleasing to God. So worship is so much more than just the physical representation of what we do and what our hands do and our feet and our mouths and all of that kind of stuff. It's so much about our time. It's about our finances. You know, worship is... <laughs> it's, the things that you worship are the things that you think about as soon as you wake up in the morning. They're the things that, you know, you want to tell your friends about because they excite you so much. It's all of that kind of stuff. Worship is so much more than just physical. It's where your devotion is. It's where you're invested. That's what worship is, yeah? And the reason why we need to know that is because we worship the things that we love the most. We worship the things that we love the most. And it's so important to be aware of that. It's so important to be aware of that because you'll worship it without even knowing. You worship it without even knowing. God's not silly. He, um, he designed us for worship and he knew that us being human and flawed would find a way to corrupt something that you know, he made so wonderful and turn it into something it's not. So he gave us instructions for how to worship. The Samaritan woman that we looked at was stuck on places and things. So often we get attached to objects. We form attachments to places or things or people. You know, you look at the cross, yeah? The cross is a symbol of our faith. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. But it's not God. We don't worship the cross. We don't bow down before the cross because the cross is holy. The cross is a reminder of who God is to us. We don't worship the church. So often we get so infatuated with, you know, the building and the people or we, you know, form these attachments to a worship leader or a preacher or, you know, the experience of worship. We are so easily attached to objects and things and experiences but we don't realise that our worship is misplaced. I think the struggle for us is that often uh, we're challenged by worshipping an invisible God. We don't see God when we get up to spend time with him in the morning or whenever it is during your day that you read 
the word. You don't go out and sit with the physical form of God and have a good old chat about what the scriptures are teaching. You can't touch him tangibly. And it's really hard at times to worship a God who is invisible. Let's be honest. It's not easy all the time. And that's okay. The Israelites struggled with worship themselves. All throughout scriptures, you can see examples of when the Israelites just stuff things up. As much as they loved God, sometimes they just did the wrong things. God said, you know, in the, in the law of Moses, God said, you shall have no idols before me. But there were so many rules and regulations, I can't blame the Israelites for just getting to a point where they're like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I have to remember and wouldn't it just be easier if we made a physical representation of God so that at least when we're worshipping, we'll just direct our worship to that and that'll be, you know, worshipping God and at least we'll be doing the right thing there, right? (laughs) Makes sense. But the fact of the matter is they built a golden calf, not because they want to worship cows, because, you know, cows were awesome, but they don't want to worship cows. They want to worship God, but they made the mistake of creating a physical representation of God and directing their worship at that instead. It's not right. You can't create a physical representation of God. He's too big for that. You know, when I think about... Has anyone ever asked you to think about a colour that doesn't exist yet? You can't do it. You cannot do it. It's impossible. (laughs) Because God is like that. There are colours and there are objects and things that we cannot even comprehend. You know, when I think about creating a physical representation of God, anything that we create here on earth, as incredible as it might be, it still completely misses the mark of anything related to God. Because it's not God. God is so much bigger than that. So we struggle sometimes with worshipping a God that is invisible. We can worship in spirit, but if we're not worshipping in the truth of who God is, then we've created an idol. Yeah? We become trapped in religion. We can say the right things, do the right things, go to the right places, hang around the right people, but sometimes our worship is just misplaced. God tells us that we have to, we must, the scripture says we must worship in spirit and in truth. That that is the type of worshipper that God is seeking. And I don't know about you, but if it says in the scripture somewhere that God is looking for a particular type of person, I'm going to do my best to be that kind of person, yeah? I want to worship God like he asks us to worship. So, what does spirit and truth actually mean? Has anybody else wondered that? Has anybody else kind of glanced over that passage and gone, yeah, good, worship in spirit and in truth? What's that even mean? (laughs) I have. (laughs) So I thought I'd find out what spirit and truth meant. When we look at truth, where do we find truth about God? Someone. Bible, right? The Word of God is our instruction manual for not only how to worship, but who God is, right? So if we're going to worship in truth, it means that we have to know the truth of who God is. And where do we find that? We find it in the Word. You can't know the truth about God if you don't read your Word. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work like that. But the really good thing is that when you read the Word, when you learn the truth about who God is, He doesn't change, right? So you 
have that truth, you know, lock that bad boy in, that's done. You know, I know that God is faithful. That's it, that's the truth. It says it in the Word. So lock that away. That's a truth that you've nailed, yeah? The Bible also gives us instruction on how God wants to be worshipped, yeah? In the Bible where um, our English translation uses the words... um, praise, thankfulness or worship, there are actually seven different Hebrew words in the original translation that are interchanged with those three words. So for our three, they've got seven. So let's have a look at some of the... I'm really sorry, I did these slides and I didn't really think about the people at the back. So you will not be able to read any of this. I do apologise, but this is my first time doing slides, all right? Bit of grace, bit of grace. Uh, So Hebrew words for praise... Our first one, yada, which means extending the hands in longing and desire like a child. Yeah? I don't know about you, but I, um, <laughs> I have nieces and nephews and they are adorable. Yeah? They are the cutest things. And there is, <laughs> there is an amazing moment when you want to be close to them. You kind of, you, you do this. Come on. Come on. And they have two options. They either run, (laughs) they're like, no way, lady. Or the second option is they're like, okay. And they stick their hands up and they let you pick them up. Yeah? They do that. If that's their choice, they do it because A, they trust you. And B, they want to be close to you. And it gets me thinking that... (laughs) It says in the scriptures that God always has arms open to his children, yeah? So this is our response. If we want to be close to him, if we trust him, okay. Yeah? How cool. Oh, I love that. I love that. Anyway, next one. Ta-da. Ta-da. Extending the hands as an offering of thanksgiving... A confession of praise and adoration. So again, I don't know what it looks like for you, whether it's out wide, whether it's up high, whether it's, you know, whatever. I don't know. But extending your hands as an offering of thanksgiving. Next one. Tehillah, a hymn of praise. We do that pretty well here at church. Thank you to the team that were on um, tonight. You guys did a killer job. Um, but we, we do that really well, yeah? Halal to be outrageously and completely foolish in expression, to celebrate. Uh, I could do a really cool example for you here, but I won't. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I watch bands and, and groups like Hillsong United. They've got giant stages and so much room to move. And I love the way, you know, JD, they're praising God and they're, you know, jumping across the stage with legs and hands and arms flailing. It's awesome. They're outrageous in their expression of worship, yeah? Thank you. Uh, Zamar, to touch or strike the strings, play a musical instrument, to sing accompanied by music. Again, that's something, that's an expression of our worship that we have in all of our services. Uh, Shabbat, to shout loudly, declare, triumph, to glorify with words, to extol and to clap, which is pretty awesome. You see this one at the football all the time. 
right? People are really good at worshipping when they go to the football. I'm really impressed. Next one. Barak. To kneel, submit, to salute and to bless. To be on your knees before God in submission to his kingship and his authority. Can we just, can I just say this? And I want to say this because I run the creative department and I know the hearts of our worship leaders, right? They don't play Simon Says up here. When they say, why don't you lift your hands? They're not just doing it because they like to see you do it. They're doing it because they're leading you in biblical, true worship. Yeah? They're giving you an opportunity every time they're before you leading you in worship they're giving you an opportunity to extend yourself beyond what might be comfortable in order to honour God according to the way that he has asked to be worshipped this is what these are instructions from the Bible this isn't just I didn't just create this I'm not that clever this is what the scripture says this is what the word of God says these are our instructions for worship So what is spirit? When we say spirit and truth, what is spirit? We believe that uh, we are made up of three things, body, soul and spirit. Body is your flesh, your meat and your bones. Soul is a combination of your will, your intellect and your emotions. Everyone has a soul, their will, their intellect and emotion. Spirit is the aspect of our humanity that connects us to God. So before we have a relationship with Jesus, our spirit, everyone has one, our spirit is dead within us. It says it in the scriptures that before we accept Jesus into our hearts, our spirits are dead in us. God being God, he can speak to dead things and bring them to life, right? right. But if your spirit's dead, dead people can't speak, they don't hear, you can't engage with something that's dead, right? So when we say yes to Jesus, when we accept him into our hearts and allow him to shift and change things for us, he comes and he resurrects our spirit. He brings our spirit from death to life. And all of a sudden, we have an opportunity to converse with God, to speak with him, to hear him, because we're not dead anymore, right? We're alive. So now we have this opportunity to speak and converse with God. So when we talk about worshipping in spirit and in truth, it's knowing who God is and it's allowing him to come in, resurrect your spirit and reveal himself to you. It's listening. It's conversations with God. It's being aware of his spirit and his presence. To worship God properly, to worship God properly, you have to see him clearly. To worship God properly, you have to see him clearly. I think about, you know, love languages. If you don't know much about love languages, I'd encourage you to go and do some research because they will change relationships for you. When I think about love languages, when I think about loving my husband really, really well... It means that sometimes he needs to give me instructions on how to love him well. When he asked me to watch Pokemon with him, although it's funny and it's, you know, it's kind of a candid sort of moment, 
at the same time, that was his instruction for me. This is how I want you to love me. This is how I want to be loved. Come Pokemon hunting with me. Jesus gives us instructions like that. He teaches us how to love him really well. In the word, in his word, he teaches us how to love him. Like the Samaritan woman, so often, you know, with no revelation of God, without our spirits raised to life, we have no revelation, we're dead in our spirits and we get stuck on people and places and things. We get stuck in religion. And like the Samaritan woman, when Jesus revealed himself to her, all of a sudden she saw him for who he really was. She was able to engage with him. She was able to worship because all of a sudden she knew that he was Jesus, that he was Christ, that he was the Messiah. He was coming to resurrect her spirit. And you read in the text that she gave her life to Jesus that day and she told a whole bunch of people about it and it sparked a revival in Samaria. When we have a revelation of God, it changes the way that we see him, it changes the way that we worship him, it changes the way that we engage with him. And we're able to worship properly because we know who he is and he's been revealed to us. Why don't you stand with me tonight? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.